1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch!
2: Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Just win it. Touchdown rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees lightning. 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn. What a beast! Number
1: ninety-five for the Jets.
3: Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it's time for an overview of the first six weeks of the season, as we are now, of course, getting out of the bye week and heading into the Jets Giants game, which will happen this Sunday. And so, for a progress report, we're bringing our friend who does all the film for us over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash play like a jet, the Thunder from down under Luke Grant. What's up, brother?
4: You know what, Scott? I'm doing pretty well. I can enjoy the bye week for once because the Jets season isn't over. They're 3-3. Three three. All of those games started effectively by Zach Wilson. They've had a really tough slate, and they're hanging in there. They're a competitive football team, and things, fingers crossed, look better after the bye. So I'm excited to recap the first six games and, and what's to come. Yeah, it's funny because before the
3: season... I thought the Jets would be three and three at the bye, but I thought it would be by beating the Patriots and losing to the Eagles. I also, of course, thought Aaron Rodgers would be the quarterback. So for them to be three and three with Zach Wilson is a very pleasant surprise. As we know, a lot of people thought the season was going to be over once Rodgers went down and Wilson came in. Let's talk about Wilson to start. We've gone through what we've seen from him each week on the film. And I know people will look at the box score stats and say, what's impressive? His completion percentage is higher. He hasn't made as many mistakes. You can look at the interception numbers. But of course, as we know, three of those interceptions came in one game. He has really, I think, shown steady improvement this year. Now, by no means does that mean that Zach Wilson is a franchise quarterback right now. By no means does that mean he's even a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. What it means is that last year he was unplayable. He got booed off the field on his own home turf by the fans at MetLife Stadium on national television. He was absolutely horrific to the point where people were calling him an all time bust. This year, nobody's sitting here and saying that he's going to be an all pro or a pro bowler or anything like that, but he's at least functional, serviceable, and he's giving them the caliber of play you would expect. From a low-end starter and a solid backup, which is all you really could have hoped for considering the fact that Wilson was a backup quarterback this year. There may be more for him down the line. Maybe he has a higher ceiling after this. We'll see. But for now, he at least looks like somebody that belongs in the NFL.
4: Yeah, I think context is so important when you break down the start of Zach Wilson's season. I said this on the pod last week, recapping the film. This is a guy who's had to put up with his whole locker room wearing Mike White t-shirts. He was attacked by Peyton Manning, who said he wouldn't let him throw more than three times in the second half in the opening game on Monday Night Football. And then Joe Namath, the most famous uh, you know uh, jet of all time, has come out and, and said that he's given up on Zach Wilson. So this is a kid who's had to endure a lot. I think it's really shown his mental toughness this season. And the biggest thing in it is he's protecting the football. He's had one interception over the last four games, and that was that last play um, on the back shoulder to Garrett Wilson, which in fairness was technically a drop, put it on the wrong shoulder, but he has protected the football well, and he's effectively playing like a Derek Carr has over the last couple of seasons, and you can win with that. Um In conjunction with that, he has five interceptions on the season, yes, But realistically, when your team's down 20 with nine minutes to go in a ball game, it's very difficult to say that's anything other than garbage time. When the game has been tight, competitive or close, Zach Wilson has two interceptions on the season. And that's the biggest thing. When your defense plays at the caliber this Jets Jets defense plays in the second half, all you have to do is look after the football. I think he's been more accurate. He's been more decisive. He's standing in the pocket more, which is something we needed to see. Um, I think now the last two weeks, he's started to funnel more targets to Garrett Wilson. I think he's found a nice mix of get Garrett Wilson 10 to 12 targets and not kind of block out the other reads and still share the football around. Against Kansas City, he found 10 receivers. So I think that balance has been better. And I think if Hackett's more aggressive with his play calling, and I think he will be against weaker defenses, Zach Wilson's got an opportunity to put up. 21 touchdowns and nine interceptions this season. I honestly believe that. I know that sounds strange when we're six weeks in and he has four touchdowns thrown, but things are going to get easier. This Jets, you know, offense and staff are getting more trust in Zach Wilson. And on the whole, I think he's exceeded what anyone would have expected coming into this season. He was thrust in, um, you know, on opening day, such a loud atmosphere the emotion drained out of that stadium and ever since then he's just kept stacking the blocks and getting better and better sans that New England game so I've been impressed what I've seen yeah the bar's pretty low for Zach Wilson I understand that but the Jets are three and three as you said at the top we couldn't really expected much more with Aaron Rodgers so it's been pleasing to see and the growth's there and I'm excited to keep breaking down his film
2: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
3: Luke, the offensive line has been a bit of a pleasant surprise. Elijah Vera Tucker's gone now, as is Joe Tipman. But I think when Elijah Vera Tucker was moved to tackle and Joe Titman was put into the lineup, That was really the turning point for this offensive line. The pass protection has largely been a lot better since that disaster against the Dallas Cowboys. The run blocking has been a little spottier, but it has been really nice to see the return of Mekhi Becton. He looks every bit the potentially dominant tackle that he was his rookie season, and the Jets obviously are hoping that he continues to stay healthy, knock on wood, because right now he's one of the most important pieces on that line. Lakin Tomlinson has certainly improved from the very disappointing season he had last year. Connor McGovern's been a decent anchor at center. And now, of course, as we know, Titman and Avt gone, but both of them played very well when they were in. Max Mitchell has played at least a passable tackle in his limited action so far. So the offensive line. Something that everybody was really worried about coming into the season, and it was pretty bad up through the Cowboys game. But I would argue that it's been okay ever
4: since. It really has been. The pass protection's been a huge surprise. I think even Max Mitchell held up pretty well against Philadelphia in the snaps he had and uh, some of the run he got against Denver. As you said, though, the most important player on the 2023 Jets for me coming into the year was Mackay Becton. He just swung the entire outlook of this offensive line because Dwayne Brown has been injured. He, has been declining and he's 39 years old. And now once again, he's injured. Makai Becton's playing left tackle. It's where he should have been from the start. And if you look at his stats, I think he has like six penalties and three sacks. You might think, oh, you know, he's not playing very well. Becton's been fantastic. I mentioned in the breakdown I have on the YouTube channel, he had six takedowns against Philly defensive ends. And one of the best lines in the country on Sunday, he was elite. He had a 90 PFF grade against Denver. He's just putting together great performance after great performance. And the residual effect it's seen at the left guard position and Lakin Tomlinson's play has been enormous. Lakin was woeful over the first two weeks of the season. And I thought, well, this is it. This is how he played last year. This is just who Lakin Tomlinson is. The Jets have lost on that contract. They've kicked money down the road. This is a disaster. But with better left tackle play, his game has risen. And that's been huge. Connor McGovern's been fine. And look, I think Tipman's got a chance to be back hopefully in you know maybe three weeks, four weeks. And if that's the case... You know, I think that's going to be obviously huge for the right guard spot because I'm a little worried about how Wes is going to play. Obviously the Jets have had guys like Dan Feeney in there the last couple of years. So they're no stranger to sub par guard play. Uh, Greg Van Roten, another name that comes to mind. I'm giving Jets fan PTSD right now. But on Ooh. the whole, you're right. I think they've been like a six and a half, seven out of ten. The run game needs to get better. Outside of the Denver game, they've really struggled to move people outside of Becton. But you know, we're gonna see what happens when they start playing some some weaker defenses. I mentioned when talking about Wilson.
3: Luke, let's talk about the pass catchers. Garrett Wilson's been awesome, but beyond Garrett Wilson, the wide receiving core has been a little bit shaky. Alan Lazard's been okay, but really, that's all he is. Okay. There's nothing else you can say about him. I think he was signed because of his chemistry with Rodgers, and he hasn't been bad, but he also hasn't been any kind of difference maker as a number two wide receiver. Randall Cobb, the less said about him, the better. He seems like a really good dude, a good teammate a positive presence in the locker room. I'm sure he'd make a really good coach if that's what he wants to do, but he has been terrible. We've talked about this by several different metrics. He is the worst wide receiver in the NFL to get any kind of significant snaps this season. So hopefully they do something to change that dynamic and give somebody else, maybe Xavier Gibson, more snaps at wide receiver over Randall Cobb and at tight end. C.J. Ozama has been pretty much what he was last year, underwhelming. But Tyler Conklin, who I thought was fairly disappointing last year, a lot of drops, a couple of fumbles. This year he's been pretty good. Hasn't been perfect, but he's been one of the better receiving tight ends that Jets have had in recent memory, which is not saying much because the bar is very low there. I think Jeremy Ruckert has looked good in limited snaps. He probably needs to be given a lot more opportunities down the stretch because especially with the Jets shortage of impactful wide receivers stands to reason you'd let Rucker play more and do some damage catching the ball maybe some more two and three tight end sets allow him and Tyler Conklin to be on the field together at the same time
4: yeah I think the biggest issue for the Jets offensive playmakers has been man coverage the Jets have two guys who can beat man and that's Garrett Wilson and that's Tyler Conklin and outside of those two Alan Lazard can beat, you know, some off coverage with 10 yards of cushion running a slant, but he's not going to shake and bake guys open with route running, even to the level that Corey Davis was when he was with the Jets um Randall Cobb as you said has been not very good at all um and has seen the field a fair bit uh Gibson I have some hopes for that he'll bring a spark if that hamstring's fine coming off the bye. Uzama's been okay but yeah I think Ruckett needs to see the field more for sure Jets fans have been calling for that they love the Long Island native and that whole narrative so I think he needs to see the field a little more but yeah they need people who can beat man coverage And I want to give Tyler Conklin a wrap because I think we know what our expectations for Garrett Wilson are. He's a guy who had a 1,000 yards last year with subpar quarterback play. He's on pace for 1,050 yards again in 2023. That's despite the Jets not throwing it a lot the first three weeks. He's fantastic. But Tyler Conklin, he had those drops and fumbles you mentioned. He had a lot of volume last year, particularly when Mike White was the quarterback, but I didn't think he was particularly good. His route running against man and the variety of ways he's winning has been fantastic. I've got a breakdown coming on the, f- on the channel during the bye week, uh, in about three or four days. And it's all about Tyler Conklin's ability to number one, win with route running. Number two, win with catch radius and size against man coverage. And then number three, win against win on double moves and his ability to run like a stick nod and these kind of concepts from the slot. So he's been really impressive. And I think I wanted to give him some love because I think he's been pretty clearly the Jets second best weapon.
3: Running backs, Brees Hall, awesome. Dalvin Cook, don't let him play anymore. I guess that pretty much sums up my feelings. Michael Carter has been okay with the limited touches he's gotten, although he's been pretty rough when it comes to receiving a lot of drops. I'd like to see Israel Abanikanda get a chance. Give him whatever carries you've been giving Dalvin Cook. I know they've been decreasing, but they should really decrease to zero.
4: Yeah, the biggest takeaway for me is, number one, Brees Hall's an absolute stud, but Izzy Abanekunda needs to play. I mean, I I banged this drum for four or five weeks about Dalvin Cook. He was a declining player, and unfortunately, that's exactly what we've seen. His snaps have gone down and down every single week because the coaches are seeing what I feel like anyone who paid attention to NFL film could see. Um, And then Michael Carter... You know, I said coming in, I thought he was a really nice compliment. He's looked good when he's carried the football, but the drops, the drops on third down, he had one against Philly. He had one against the Chiefs, and that was after throwing his hands up when Zach Wilson missed him in the end zone on that Sunday night football game. He's been disappointing. And I, just He's come off as a bit of a win job, which I don't like um you just don't really need that. I know he was very close with Elijah Moore. I don't know if that was a part of it, but I don't know. He seemed to complain a bit this year. I'm not a huge fan of that. I just think Izzy looks so great in preseason. And I don't want to hear that it's preseason because if you watch Makai Becton, you knew he was going to be great this season based on what he did over those three or four matches. And I feel the same about Izzy. I think back to some of the runs he had against the Carolina Panthers, the spin move, the, the, uh, the lateral quickness, but the first step burst that is so crucial in this wide outside zone own West Coast offense kind of iteration that Nathaniel Hackett runs. But then circling back around to Brees Hall, Scott, he's 18th in the NFL right now in yards from scrimmage. And on the first five weeks of the season or four weeks of the season, he was on a significant pitch count and only had six touches one of those games. So it's remarkable what he's done. Uh, I know PFF have him graded as the 32nd ranked running back when running the football in 2023. But by the same measure, they have him as the third best in well-blocked runs and the second best when blocks, when runs aren't blocked well. So I have no idea how they're grading that. It's an absolute joke, but I think Brees Hall has been ridiculous. He has a good chance to rip off like a 1500 yard season. I honestly believe that despite the limited touches at the start. So the lateral quickness is there, the burst, the acceleration. What he's done coming off the knee has been remarkable. And as I've said, if Hamlin doesn't see the field, like he's got to win comeback player of the year because he's doing more than I ever imagined he would have over the first you know four or five weeks of the season. The Jets defensive line has been pretty dominant. Quinn and Williams has been
3: just as good as last year. He just doesn't have as many sacks, but he has been dominating up front. John Franklin Meyer is very effective again. We all know about Bryce Huff. He was a well-kept secret for a while, but the secret is over. Everybody knows about him now, and he has become one of the most efficient pass rushers in the NFL, and he's getting more and more snaps and continuing to be efficient rushing the passer. so he's probably due a very nice payday in the offseason. Jermaine Johnson has taken a lot of strides this year. We always knew he was an elite run defender. Now he's really becoming a very effective pass rusher, exactly what the Jets thought they were getting when they traded up for him in last year's draft. Carl Lawson hasn't done much. He's been inactive a couple of weeks. That's disappointing. Same with Will McDonald. But of course, you hope the future's bright with Will McDonald, even if he's not necessarily making a huge impact right now. We've seen the tools both in training camp and the preseason, that make us hopeful for the long run. So right now, it's Bryce Huff, it's Jermaine Johnson, it's John Franklin Myers, and of course, it's the big man, number 95, Quinn Williams.
4: Yeah, I feel pretty confident in saying this has been the best defensive line in the NFL through six weeks. The Jets have the most quarterback pressures in the league, bar no one. They have the most, and Brad Spielberger talked about how there are three defensive lines in the NFL who have three players with twenty plus pressures. That's the Commanders, that's the Eagles, and then the Jets. Bryce Huff with thirty-three, JFM with twenty-six, and Quinn and Williams with twenty-five. Quinnen's been remarkable. This is a guy who gets doubled and triple teamed almost every single snap, and he still had 25 pressures through six weeks. That is remarkable. He had the interception. His run stuffs have been phenomenal. He was huge a couple of times on that last drive against the Eagles. JFM's bull rush has been great, but you're right. The edge pairing, and I made a video about them last week, Jermaine Johnson and Bryce Huff have been ridiculously good, particularly over the last three weeks. They were a little slow to get started. Over the last three weeks, man, Bryce Huff's had 24 pressures and two and a half sacks. That's ridiculous. But Jermaine Johnson's been the the Jets' best player. I honestly believe that over the last three weeks. The the way he was utilized against the Eagles that I mentioned on the podcast last week um, as that stand-up linebacker dropping into coverage you know, pressures from the inside, stunts, but then his bull rush ability and just the way he's grown from not just being finesse but beating people through their chest has been remarkable. And it's really, really impressed me. Um So big props and, and all the flowers to JJ for what he's done this season and his transformation into that dominant player. What a first round draft class with Garrett, um with Sauce, and with JJ throwing Brees Hall as well. But then a guy that never gets mentioned, and, and maybe this is just kind of the people that I talk to, but, I think Quentin Jefferson's been great. He was brought in to be a situational pass rusher and he's got the 18th best uh, pass rush win rate and pressure percentage in the NFL among interior defensive linemen. And that's awesome because we haven't had that guy next to Quentin Williams. And frankly, the Jets haven't played JFM inside as much as I thought. So this group's been ridiculous. As you said, we're not even really getting a contribution yet from Lawson or McDonald's who have like 80 snaps each car. Michael Clemens has been inactive two of the last three weeks, I believe so. There's just an embarrassment of riches. The line has been so disruptive. And even when they're not sacking the quarterback five or six times a game, the pressure rate's been insane. And in the second half, they're keeping it alive, Scott. They've just been ridiculously good. I was going to
3: say, forgot to mention Quentin Jefferson. I'm glad you brought him up because he's been really good, especially for the minimal investment they made in him. But for as good as the defensive line has been, the linebacking core has been just as good. And that's a huge surprise because – I know C.J. Mosley made the Pro Bowl last year, but there were moments where he looked pretty old and slow in the second half of the season. Quincy Williams was a guy that got re-signed because of his potential. The coaching staff really liked him, but his instincts were all over the place. He was spotty. He didn't seem to know where he was supposed to be a lot of the time. Well, guess what? This year, C.J. Mosley has turned back the clock. This has been one of the best seasons he's had in the last couple of years. Certainly his best season as a New York Jets so far. Quincy Williams is playing at at least a Pro Bowl level, and you could argue an All-Pro level right now. The linebacking core was supposed to be a weakness for the Jets. Instead, it's been one of their biggest strengths.
4: Honestly, Scott, this has been the biggest surprise to me. I just didn't expect this part of the unit and the second level of the defense to play this effectively but just be frankly dominant I mean they're super athletic as you said I thought CJ Mosley was extremely fortunate to be a second team all pro last year Look, I don't like being critical of Jets especially when they're getting accolades but that's my honest opinion I thought it was a little bit of like you know name recognition and the Jets played pretty well on defense so we'll give You know CJ Mosley, some credit there. And look, it's good. He played pretty well. But this year, particularly the last three weeks, like with Jermaine Johnson, he's been phenomenal. He's had like 13 tackles and assists a game. He had an interception. He had a pass breakup in a game uh, last week against the Eagles. He's just been fantastic. And as we've talked about almost ad nauseum on the podcast, Scott, every time there's a film review, it's the, the newfound discipline and control that, uh Quincy Williams is playing with because I'll, I'll be honest I've said this a few times I didn't think it was a great move to re-sign him to a 3-year deal I thought it was kind of a thank you and we're looking after your brother to to Quinn and Williams and that sounds stupid but sometimes NFL franchises do that for their most important players he's been ridiculously good I think an all-pro is deserving of of Quincy Williams play so far this season both both assets uh, he's really surprised me particularly with his pass coverage because You know, that's something he struggled with a little bit. But when he's got his back to the defense, that means playing man coverage and he's running towards his own end zone, his ability to read the eyes and the hands of his receiver or his tight end or running back and play through them has been phenomenal. So huge credit to those two gents. They've been ridiculous. I mentioned it against the Eagles, Sherwood's been pretty serviceable as linebacker three in the snaps that he's had. So what a surprise. What really looked like the weakness outside of safety on the Jets roster has been an incredible strength.
3: Credit to Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich, who recognized the talent in Quincy Williams, Believe they could develop him into a really good player and have been able to do it. I've said this many times. Robert Sala thought the same thing about a linebacker in San Francisco that was picked in the fifth round. Fred Warner, you might have heard of him. He's probably the best inside linebacker in the sport right now. Another guy who's one of the better inside linebackers in the sport, a sixth-round pick out of Yale, went to the Atlanta Falcons, and was developed under Jeff Ulbrich, who believed in him. That, of course, Foye Luicon, who is now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, making a lot of money. So those guys have a good track record there of developing – Players at the linebacker position, but also certainly in the secondary. And they did that with Tony Adams, an undrafted rookie who turned some heads last year by making the 53-man roster when nobody thought he would. And yet here he is out of the University of Illinois, a starter, and I would say playing pretty well. He's not an all pro or anything like that, but as a starting free safety, he's done a very good job this season. Jordan Whitehead has played much better than he did last year. I thought he was a major disappointment last year. Now, granted, some of the tackling has been spotty. But just for what he did against Josh Allen in the first game of the season alone, he's been worth the price of admission. And of course, we know that when Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed have played, they've both been lights out. Sauce hasn't necessarily been as good as last year, but it would be almost impossible to repeat a performance like that. That said, he's still been one of the best corners in the league. The only problem so far is that they've missed some games. Sauce missed one. DJ Reed has missed two. But when they're healthy, that's one of the best one-two punches at cornerback in the league. And the secondary has been a pleasant surprise. We thought safety would be a huge weakness, and I think it's been okay for the most part.
4: Yeah, I think the Jets have escaped extremely well at safety because when your defense is so strong on the defensive line at the cornerback position, and now what we're seeing from the linebackers... All you want to avoid is a liability. You don't want a situation where you're playing a team like the Patriots over the last 10 years, and they can just keep throwing the ball to the tight ends and just abuse your safeties. And the Jets have pretty much escaped that. I think the middle part of the season from like the Cowboys game to the New England and start of Denver game, the safeties were kind of disappointing. Um But Tony Adams was fantastic, had the big interception against Philadelphia. I think Jordan Whitehead has bookend bookended, excuse me, the last six weeks of the season with amazing performances. Week one, three interceptions. And then on the weekend he had a huge pass breakup in the fourth quarter, had the game clinching pass breakup um, on that deep ball that Jalen Hurts was targeting uh Devontae Smith. So he had a couple of huge plays there. Yeah, he missed the tackle because that's who Jordan Whitehead is. And he missed seventeen percent of tackles in two thousand and twenty two. And that's why he wasn't an all pro for Robert Sellers, you know reasoning not just because he dropped a couple of interceptions so look all in all i think they've been fine and at times they've been really good and that's that's all you need just don't stink it up enough to be a liability on the defense because i think all in all the jets have an opportunity in the next four or five weeks outside of the dolphins games they play some pretty mediocre offenses and I think there's going to be some opportunities to take the ball away. The Jets are already the number one takeaway defense in the NFL. They have the most intercept worthy plays uh, forced. And that's against Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, Wilson, great Slater quarterback. So just a credit to the secondary.
3: Luke, watching six weeks of the tape, I know that Nathaniel Hackett's been a bit of a controversial figure here for the Jets for a variety of different reasons. What do you think of the scheme that he's been running so far? Have you seen some positive strides there?
4: I think the scheme itself is fine. I think the issue for me has more been with situational football and awareness and and when to let the lease the leash, excuse me, off Zach Wilson. I think a lot of these old school coordinators who've grown up in football and their dad's a coach and their dad's dad's a coach and they just breathe football and they're from Texas and you know you know what I'm saying. I think a lot of them have this preconceived idea and notion that. The way you protect a young quarterback and a quarterback that's struggling is to run the football on first down and make it easier for him. But I'll say this again and again and again, and I'll beat this dead horse. Nathaniel Hackett needs to throw the ball more on first down because that's when Zach Wilson has thrived, particularly against Denver and Kansas City. He was completely fine against Philly when he was protected well. He's been so successful on play action and passing on first down. So that's been disappointing, but schematically it's been fine. There's enough guys open. Um, I think when pass protection has held up outside of the Dallas game, there's been opportunities. It's more just the fact that, yeah, we don't have a lot of guys that can beat man, as I mentioned. So that's been the biggest disappointment rather than scheme. Like I'm not watching it going, what are the jets running? But at the same time, Let's be real here. When you throw on a game like San Francisco against the Cowboys or the Dolphins against Denver and these other 49ers coaches who have just all been successful, of course, other than Mike, uh, Mike LaFleur, there's guys running open everywhere and there's creativity and they're running a double reverse flea flicker and these insane looks and they're sneaking George Kittle out the back door on this corner post and doing just ridiculous things and throwing with anticipation and these concepts are wild so he hasn't been bad his r- concepts are fine but it is a little bit archaic and I'm not seeing a whole lot of um I guess creativity there or the ability to um, design plays that are moving and progressing the, the offense in a direction that people haven't seen before so that's been a little disappointing but on the whole I just want to see him throw the ball more on first down run more play action and give Zach Wilson a chance.
3: Luke, on the other side of the ball, I think Jeff Ulbrich has done a great job. We talked about what he did against the Philadelphia Eagles, just a masterpiece. That was one of the best game plans I've seen from a Jets coordinator in quite some time. I think if this keeps up, he's going to have the opportunity to interview for some head coaching vacancies. not saying he's going to become a head coach. But his name's going to start getting tossed around if the Jets' defense continues to play like this. And quite frankly, sometimes a defense or an offense is simply the product of the talent that they have. And certainly the Jets have a lot of very talented players, but the coach has been a very integral part of that unit's success without a
4: doubt. You just hit the nail on the head, Scott. I'm so excited to talk about this statistic because there are so many uh, data points that prove that Jeff Oldbrick and Robert Sulla is a huge reason behind the success of this defense. In the first half, the Jets, according to EPA, if you don't know, that's expected points added per play. On EPA, the Jets are the worst defense in the NFL in the first half. The worst. You're hearing that correctly. In the first half of football games, there is no one who's getting beaten more than the Jets, and they come out in the second half, and where do you think they rank? They are the second best defense in the NFL, according to EPA per play. What a swing. First of all, can we come out of the locker room and wake up? That would be fantastic. But it really speaks to the adjustments that Jeff Olbrick is making, his ability to tap into his players, Robert Sala's communication skills at halftime, you have to give them credit because that isn't the players just waking up. Yeah, there's a feeling out period in the first quarter, but you need to be better than the Jets have been. But what a great job Albrecht's done. And you're right, Scott, he's going to get interviews. He's already been an an assistant head coach uh, at Atlanta, had a little interim period. So he's a guy who is primed and ready to go. As you said, he might not get it. Guys like Dan Campbell were kicking around the years for league, sorry, the league for years before they got their shot. And hey, I'm going to give myself some credit. I was calling for him, you know, after he was the interim head coach in Miami, but yeah, full credit to Jeff Ulbrich. I think he's got a chance to win assistant coach of the year this this season. I just think he's been that good and the adjustments he's making, it's showing up in that statistic I talked about.
3: Luke, any other film observations from the first six weeks that we didn't touch on yet? I just want to give a little bit of love to
4: Brant Boyer, who just consistently, no matter who the coach is, whether it's Todd Bowles, Adam Gase, now obviously here with Robert Suller. He's a top five special teams coach in the NFL. The Jets, after being kind of woeful at specialist positions, have possibly the best duo kicker-punter in the NFL in Morestead and, and Greg DeLegge. Um, The whole operation with the holds, the snaps from Hennessy has just been perfect. Obviously, Gibson had the huge punt return to win the game on Monday Night Football in Week 1. Um, there's been really no negative plays outside of Gibson's fumble in the sun in Denver. And that was a really tough play. So I've just been extremely impressed by that unit. I think it's it's really easy not to talk about special teams and a lot of people don't pay attention to it. But when you're a defensive football team with a defensive head coach who's trying to protect the football and play, excuse the cliche, but complimentary football, special teams is huge. And Brant Boyer, man, he's, he's incredible. He's just been fantastic here with the Jets getting you know, the most mileage out of Braxton, Berrios, and everyone else along the way. Pretty sure he was the coach when um, uh, the kid that, that ended up kicking for um, Seattle when he when he was here with the Jets as well. So he's just been marvelous, and yeah, I, t- I tip my hat to Brant Boyer.
3: Luke, you don't have to sell me on Brant Boyer. I've been a big fan for a long time. I actually think that Brant Boyer should get an opportunity to interview for some head coaching jobs the way that I always felt that Mike Westhoff should as well. John Harbaugh's success as a head coach, you would think, might have helped some of these guys get opportunities. But then again, there was Joe Judge. So a little bit of a push and a pull situation there. But I think you're right, Bramp Ware, one of the best special teams coaches in the league, and we certainly don't talk enough about him and praise him enough. He deserves all the praise you just gave him and then some. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under. Thanks so much for coming on and giving us an overview of the first six weeks of the season from an all-22 film perspective for the New York Jets. Really appreciate it. For everybody that wants to check out what we've got up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash jet, What's up there now? What's coming down the line? And what's going on with our store over at TeePublic.com? That's
4: TeePublic.com. Yeah, the Tee public stuff is cool. Get some some unique merch. This Play Like a Jet logo stuff. Quinn and Williams, bless you, thank you, range. Zach the Ripper. Um, so you can, you know, not just buy the t-shirts, but get creative with them. Put it on, you know, hats, phone cases, laptop stickers, anything you like. And the YouTube channel is going really well at the moment, Scott. Um, had a big week coming off the back of the Eagles game um you know in that 425 slot uh, at the moment you can watch reviews of Zach Wilson uh, the Jets offensive uh, woes in the red zone Jermaine Johnson and the packaged and way he was deployed against Philly. Uh, there's a video up on Makai Becton and the six pancakes or takedowns I talked about. There's one that's probably released by now on the Jets, unsung unheralded cornerbacks and the way they performed against Philly's wide receivers. So you're going to get 10 minute film reviews. You're going to get, um, I guess, me trying to identify patterns, break it down for you, give you one or two things to walk away feeling like you've learned something and and uh, hopefully you can support the channel. Make sure to check out
3: everything we're doing on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play Play Like a Jet. Subscribe if you haven't already. Also, make sure you give the podcast a five-star review on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.